Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conversation of Our Generation, where we are solving the problems of today with the wisdom of the past. And this time, I actually hit record. I started talking for about five or six minutes before I looked at the screen and realized I had not last time. So now I have. And I want to talk to you about today a play, rather three plays, Henry VI, parts one, two, and three by William Shakespeare, because this week has been crazy. And I think that I expected some tensions, some passions boiling over, but I don't think I expected, in fact, I can say for sure, I did not expect what happened to happen with the storming of the Capitol and all of that. And I don't, and I didn't really know what to review this week, but I figured because Tuesday's episode was about elections and how we've handled these sort of unprecedented times in the past and gotten through them despite serious constitutional problems, we have continually figured out how to do that and transfer power peacefully. And I think that while there's unrest among people, there is not a unpeaceful transfer of power because to me that really, at least what people generally mean by that is that there is warring factions among government officials that Joe Biden, who has been recently elected, he's putting together a military to oust Donald Trump because Donald Trump is putting together a military. You know, those sorts of things are what people I think mean when they talk about that la- that non-peaceful transfer of power, that you have to defeat the king, that you have to push out the person that's in power at the moment. And I don't think we're going to see that. In fact, I, I really can guarantee that we're not going to see that sort of thing, right? But these stories are very interesting with King Henry VI because they pull out a lot of unique perspectives that I think we can learn a lot from. And so I think that that's very important to learn from. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before I do that, I'm going to skip the quote of the week this week because I was partly because I was a little ill-prepared and also because I want to remind you to check out my new book, Property Rights in the Digital Age. It's just released this past week. It's out there. I've sold a few copies already and it's doing decently well. And so definitely head over to Amazon, search Property Rights in the Digital Age or Nick Jamel or both, you know, Property Rights in the Digital Age by Nick Jamel. And you'll, it should pop up. It should, you should be able to find it pretty easy for Kindle or for paperback. Uh, I, I'm definitely excited to have that out there so people can start reading it. But I think it's an important book that as we see the government encroaching on our rights in many different ways we've seen it this past year. How do we preserve these property rights as we go from being able to hide away our gold in a safe and our property being the cows and sheep in our field and the land that we own to digits in our wallet to assets that, you know, companies that we don't understand how they provide these services a lot of times are providing them. They have all our, they have our property almost in their possession and our information even too so much is property to people how how do we start to navigate those things and how can we learn from times like the industrial revolution where things were in a huge state of flux a lot like they are today digitally there are a lot of new problems to figure out how do we learn from what they did right and what they did wrong to maintain preserve and expand even our right to own and use our property as we see fit that's what i talk about in that book And I think that it's an important discussion to be having. It's not extensive and it doesn't cover every threat or problem that there is, 
but it, what it does do is I think start the conversation. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who are smarter than me in different ways and who are close to certain problems that I don't even see at the moment, because obviously I haven't run into every issue that there is. I probably could write a book my entire life before I come across every, you know, infringement on property rights, but to get people starting to think about solutions and how to think about those solutions, that's what this book is about. And that's what you get from that. So definitely check it out on Amazon and let me know what you think. If you do buy it, you like it, please leave a good rating and review. That really helps with Amazon and the rankings and everything. So definitely do that. That really helps me out. And also you can go to Conversation for Our Generation to find out more about what I'm doing. You can go to Twitter at Conovargen to follow me and facebook.com slash conversation for our generation as well to check out what I got going on there. And if you're listening to this on podcast, definitely subscribe. And again, leave that rating and review or on YouTube, hit that subscribe bell. And I think that's what it is. I, I don't actually use YouTube as much and subscribe places. I use it for like how to do things, but I know people like to do, <laughs> people like to watch and listen to these sorts of things. So, you know, hit that subscribe to the channel. Uh, make sure you hit the bell to get the notifications. That's what it's for. See, it came to me. It's just, you know, 9.30 on Thursday, coming back from uh, time off, just trying to get back into the swing of things. And so subscribe, like this video, comment, and share it with people. I mean, that's the other thing too. If there's people that you know that would interest them, this these sorts of things would interest them, definitely don't be afraid to share it. And that really helps me out. And so King Henry VI by William Shakespeare. Why am I bringing this one up today? The reason I am is because it really details a historically real event. It's not exactly 100% accurate, but it's kind of like the movies where it's, you know, based on a true story. There's some things that might be a little out of place. Obviously, all none of the dialogue, William Shakespeare was not there for the dialogue, right? Um, but that said, he's able to know the history and bring out the story and make it compelling in the process. And the reason why I'm bringing this one around today is because kind of all the unsettlement, this, what Henry the sixth part one, it's, it's a history play. That's really about King Henry the sixth lifetime. It talks about what goes on and some, and it starts to set the stage for these factions growing in England at the time. And there's kind of this debate that's really weird about these two flowers and you sort of see these different lords and noblemen separating out and saying, no, I take this side, I take that side and which flower will you pin? And what they're basically doing is starting to, there's one side that's starting to say, hey, King Henry VI is not the legitimate king. He doesn't have a real claim to the throne. My family line had a better claim and they gave it to I think it was Henry VI's father, I'm pretty sure, maybe his grandfather. I can't remember exactly. Instead of, I think it was the Duke of Gloucestershire, Gloucester. I am really bad about those English town names, but I believe it was him who was trying to say, I have the better claim and I should be the one ruling. And so what you have here is the political maneuvering and all the while there's a war going on between England and France as well. And there's sort of the, because William the Conqueror was the French conqueror who came in. There's also this influence of sort of a French line that believes to have a claim and is trying to play some of the politics. 
And so it's almost like the prequels of Star Wars, where it's looking at how do all the politics play out where they're setting up the stage for a, a real revolution, a real act of insurrection. And that's, and I think you can see that there's very, very different things happening then than now. There are some things that might look similar, but I don't think what we're seeing today is at the level of that because we're not seeing the politicians, the people that have some level of power and sway over people get involved in any act of insurrection. I haven't seen anything like that. There might be people who are afraid to disown and disavow the actions of people being violent on both sides of the aisle with what happened at the Capitol this week, but what's been happening for the past year as well with Antifa and the rioting there. Both sides have kind of been a little soft on violence, <laughs> I would say, at times, but I don't see, and even times called for it, I will say too, but I don't see a real active organized effort to violently overthrow things. I haven't seen that, right? That's what you're kind of looking for. And that's where King Henry VI part one, that's a lot of what it's talking about is you're seeing that not only is there resentment and annoyance, but there's real organization around military power happening. And then part two really deals with the king's inability to quell his bickering among the nobles and that inevitability of the armed conflict boiling over. Right, that's where this King Henry the Second or King Henry the Sixth Part Two rather tells you that story more, and then the third part deals with the horrors of that conflict. It, I mean, it, it's just bloodshed. It, it's a it's a great story, <laughs> but it, it's also terrible that a lot of this stuff, even if it didn't actually happen exactly how Shakespeare, you know, talks about it, it's based on some true event, a lot of true events, and it's very realistic to what was going on right that's the other thing is that while it may not be exactly historically accurate it is very representational of what those sorts of overthrows of power looked like and i think it can serve as a warning to what we would be in for if we were to really see violence in our streets and I think it serves as a reassurance that we're not quite there yet. And we have the ability, I think, still to fight with words and to come to some sort of understanding. Even, I think that we could even come to a peaceful separation if we had to uh, of the country before, I would rather that before I see what the Civil War did, you know, trying to see that now with the weapons we have now, I don't want to see that. I'd rather see us find a way to work through the laws provided, work through the constitutional framework, work through peaceful diplomacy, not peaceful, but uh, even harsh and serious diplomacy with a real, like backing up your threats, not violent threats, but threats to act politically, to get people ousted, to impeach, to, you know, those sorts of legal options that we have, like Trump up till the end was fighting to maintain the election. I think that was okay. That was good to take all the legal recourse you have. You should. If you think that you're wrong, 
you should do everything you can legally in the court of law to try to seek justice. And I think that that's what we have to do is do that tirelessly and find a way. That's what our founding fathers did. I just read Common Sense by Thomas Paine, and maybe I should review that today because that's another great one. Maybe I'll do that next week because I'm sure this topic will still be at top of mind. So I won't go too much into it, but he talks a lot about we've tried to redress many different ways. We've tried the laws. We've tried advocating in the courts and they're not doing anything. That's a different story. But we still, while we might have injustices in courts, there is a system that is representational of us as voters, as citizens that we can influence. And as long as we have that, I think we need to do that as best we can. If it becomes a system that is totally a sham. And I think that that's what the problem with the election is, you know, the way it looks at least is that if our representational government is a sham, then we're living under a tyranny, no better than our founders. That is the, uh, that is a fact. If we, if our elections are a sham, we are living in, I mean, Soviet Russia at that point, we are, there's no real difference other than a better quality of life. If you don't actually have representation in some way, and so I don't want it to come to that. And I don't want to digress too much away from the topic of the book. And I just think that you should read them. I have here my collection, my giant collection of all of it, Shakespeare's plays, at least a boatload of them. And I mean, I'm only that much through it. You can see my little bookmark here. <laughs> but it's, I think that we need to find a way to learn from all of the terrible things of the past and not want war, not want violence, not want to have to pick up arms against our neighbors and our friends and our brothers and cousins. You know, I have people in my family who fall on the other side of the political aisle. I don't want to be divided militarily from them. That's not where I want to be. I want to find a way that we can come together and live as Americans under this country, have disagreements, but know that we have faith in a constitutional system that is going to enact laws that are just and right and fair and equitable that reflect the values of the people because we have representation. And that's what I want to see. And I hope we can come back to that point before it spills over. And if you want to see why I hope that, I mean, look at all sorts of times in history, but I think that this story is a great one that dives into a historical event, but it does so in that beautiful way that Shakespeare does, where he pulls out the emotions and the human humanity of the situation, that it's not just dates, places, and times, it's people acting in their daily lives and doing things because of their passions, because of their reason, maybe because of a lack of reason in a moment, or even out of accident that causes something bad to happen. There's all sorts of things like that that happen in these plays by happenstance, chance, and by real force of will by people who are powerful and influential. And all those things come together to create a ton of bloodshed, chaos, and just a horrible situation in all for not just the noble people who are fighting, but for all of, and the families of those people, but for the people of England who get swept up in this. And so that's why I think people should read this and learn from it and reflect on it. And with that, I'm going to leave it 
at the, that for this book review and just remind you to check out my book on Amazon property rights in the digital age and to go to conversationforgeneration.com to check out more of what I got going on check out other episodes if you're listening to the podcast subscribe if you're on the website right now listening definitely go through to anchor you can find wherever podcasts are played you can find me there apple spotify google play etc wherever you are i'm there and then subscribe on youtube as well and keep this in mind this story please i ask you to read it and just let me know what you think give me your thoughts on king henry the sixth i'm curious to hear what you think about it i know it's a little hard to read shakespeare sometimes i have trouble with it but once you get past that I think it really is a great story and it's actually very beautiful to hear some of the speeches the way that people in this talk about glory and honor and everything it's just fantastic and so definitely check it out and let me know what you think and thank you for listening to this episode of the conversation of our generation let's get the dialogue going i'll talk to you next time